Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Oh, so good to see you all. And um, if you're at home, it's also really, really good to... I don't know which camera to look into right now for people at home, but it, whichever one, you are so welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can I um, ask a favor of each of us who are connected to the family of Lagan Valley Vineyard? Over the next uh, two days, our staff team are going to be taking some time out of our work days to pray and discern deliberately what we sense the Lord is doing in our church. This has been a crazy year in the life of the church. And as we look ahead into the future, it feels quite complicated, it feels quite complex, and we really want to hear Jesus. And so can I really encourage you as you pray, as you take a few moments in your day on Monday or Tuesday, just to pray, can I really encourage you to pray for our staff team, to pray for us that we would hear from Jesus, that we would really discern his voice, and also that we would just encounter him after a crazy, crazy year We just want to encounter Jesus for ourselves so that we can be the kind of leaders that are able to lead you into his presence. So can I really encourage you to pray for us over the course of the next couple of days. And also, whether you're here or whether you're at home, can I invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 23. And if you are with us in the venue, can I invite us all, if you're able, to stand for the reading of God's word. Let's stand together. This is the 23rd Psalm, a Psalm of David. Come, Holy Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord given to us so that we may know the glory of the Father, may practice the way of the Son, and be filled over and over and over again by the power of his Holy Spirit. Please grab a seat. If I were to ask you to fill in the blank, blank is the enemy of spirituality, what would you say? How would you fill in this blank? So often whenever we're asked a question like this, Our minds go to things that we have done wrong. They go to evil. They go to the evil one, maybe. They go to pride or shame or apathy. But this morning, I'd like us to consider that busyness is the word that fills the blank. Busyness, I believe, is the enemy of spirituality. And why? Because we seek to exist as a people with too much to do and way too little time to do it, as we live at a frantic pace with so little margin, what gets pushed out of our lives first? It's our life with God, isn't it? Our devotion to Jesus is always the first thing to go, or at least it is definitely the case in my life. Sometimes we just get too busy and way too tired to enjoy life with him. God gets pushed out because we're so hurried. 
And life with God, it just becomes like an add-on, doesn't it? Like the scraps that we reach only whenever we get through everything else. Corey Ten Boom once said that if the devil cannot make us bad, he will certainly make us busy. Pushing beyond our limits, we are worn out. We choose to live a life without God, and it is leaving us very, very tired. Often, we become too busy for God. We're left physically and left spiritually knackered, two things which are tethered together, by the way. Henry Nouwen interestingly reflected on uh, decades, he would say, of pushing beyond his limits, tiring himself out, feeling spiritually empty. And then he said in his words, the term burnout was a conventional and convenient psychological translation for a spiritual death. Hey, how you doing? I'm busy, like. I've got some good news for us today, friends. It doesn't have to be this way. The invitation of life with Jesus, the invitation of Psalm 23, it should sound like good news to our exhausted ears. God makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He refreshes our souls. The good shepherd, he invites us to rest, to be refreshed. Yet this so often gets drowned out by modern living with its invitation, or maybe a better way to say it, its demands for us to play by the rules of modern living's game, that we must stay busy, that we must feel exhausted. Busyness becomes this badge of honor, doesn't it? Hey, how you doing? I'm tired, like. The question is, why are we so tired? Ruth Haley Barton highlights seven common causes of exhaustion. I want you to consider whether you're here or particularly if you're at home and have a little bit more time to think about this this morning, how many of these resonate with you? Here are the seven common causes of exhaustion. Number one, we're functioning out of an inordinate sense of ought and should. Basically, we can't say no, and so we overstretch ourselves. We place expectations upon ourselves that we simply can never fulfill. Number two, we find it difficult or even humiliating to receive help from others. Number three, we might be living more as a performer than as the person that God created us to be. Basically, we're putting up a front, living somebody else's life, doing somebody else's job. Number four, we have maybe few or no boundaries to our service or our availability to other people. We stretch ourselves out so thin. Number five, we're carrying the great burden of unhealed wounds, whether it's sadness, grief, unresolved tension. There's toxicity in some of our relationships, maybe. Number six, we're experiencing information overload. This is so common in the world of social media, the 24-hour news cycle, work being at home now, not just in the office. Number seven, we may be mired by our own willfulness. And what Ruth Haley Barton's talking about here is in kind of imposing our ideas on other people, trying to control everything around us, trying to stay safe, trying to protect ourselves from trouble. But I would like to add an eighth common source of exhaustion. Number eight, flipping COVID. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're all feeling it, right? My goodness, what a year. Everybody that I speak to, like literally everyone that I speak to right now, is really, really tired. 
Many people that I speak to, as I hear them speak, I just clock how dangerously tired they are. Now, the seven common causes of exhaustion that Ruth Healy Barton talks about there, they have still continued over the past year or so. They've continued to knacker us out as normal. But then add on top of that, pandemic fatigue. COVID has compounded our tiredness, and especially through the last lockdown that we're just about to come out of, were the two things that I felt going on in my inner world, but also as I heard people talk about, there were two things that were just rising within us, exhaustion and cynicism. So, what are we to do? What are we to do with this? How on earth can we live in this busy, busy world? Now, right now, Many of us are tempted to go back to what is normal for us. As things begin to open up a little bit more, and as some of you have got your haircuts, we can think, flip, I'm going to just fill my life back up again. Restrictions are beginning to ease. It's going to be so much easier for me to get busy once again. We're just going to add in more stuff, fill our lives to the brim, and then to overflowing in the wrong sense. We're all buzzing for restrictions to ease. I know I am. But we're so buzzing about it because we hate limitations, don't we? We hate feeling limited. And over the past year, we've had to rightfully feel limited. But the truth is, even though we push against it, that is exactly what we as human beings are. We are limited. Now, culture around us will tell us, you know what? You're not. You're not limited Nothing should stop you. Nothing should ever slow you down. This is the story of humans from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, for this demand to be like God, to be infinite, to be unlimited. But trust me, you are not unlimited. Only he is God. None of you are God. He alone is God. I am not. You will get tired. There are only so many hours in your day. You inhabit a body that sometimes breaks. And we want to fight against this all the time, but it just knackers us out, doesn't it? Particularly as we buy into the subtle lie that we will rest, but only whenever we get through everything that we need to get through. When will we ever rest, therefore? We are a people who are out of rhythm. We've got too much to do. We have so much that we want to do, but we have so little time to do it. And we have a choice to make. And I believe that we've got a choice to make right now. As restrictions are beginning to ease, as we look into a future which is slightly more open, we've got a choice to make of how we are going to live in the next season of our lives. Either we can return back to the frantic, hurried way that we used to live, or we can recognize that Jesus is maybe inviting us into a different way of living, that there is a moment in this disruption where we can do the Jesus thing, where we can slow down and embody a sustainable spirituality. There is an invitation for Psalm 23 to not just be this twee, ideal, spa-like dream, but actually our lived weekly experience. And how? Well, as a people who are out of rhythm, we are to live into God's rhythm of life. Wayne Miller says this, In the relentless busyness of modern life, we have lost the rhythm between work and rest. Our culture invariably supposes that action and accomplishment are better than rest, that doing something, anything, is better than doing nothing. 
And because of our desire to succeed, to meet these ever-growing expectations, we do not rest. And because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that would show us where to go. We bypass the nourishment that would give us support. We miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. We miss the joy and the love born of effortless delight, poisoned by this hypnotic belief that good things come only from unceasing determination and tireless effort. We can never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. So... How do we stop losing our way and live into God's rhythm of rest? We simply do it through the practice of Sabbath. From the beginning, God has woven a rhythm of Sabbathing into the very fabric, into the very operating system of creation itself. In Genesis 1, there's this refrain that runs through the creation poem, and there was evening and there was morning, the first, the second, the third day. Notice which came first in that sentence. Evening, right? What do you do in the evening? You kick back and you relax, you rest. And what do you do in the morning? You get to work. For those of us, I would dare say, for all of us who view our days by what we will be able to achieve in them, the first page of our story just proves how much we have got this all wrong. Rest comes first. Rest is God's sheer gift which is to be received before we accomplish anything. Our lives are to be centered on God's actions, not our own, because even as we sleep at night, even as we kick back and rest, he is at work. He's growing crops. He's healing wounds. He's bringing recovery. He's bringing justice. He's protecting. He's guarding. He's saving. He's mending, and he is redeeming. The Holy Spirit is the primary mover and maker of our lives and the life of creation, not us. Rest is such a priority for God that in Genesis 2, verse 2, we read, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing so that on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. I want you all to clock this. God himself rested. So should you. God didn't keep this life-giving and holy day for himself. No, he offered it as one of his greatest gifts to humanity. And following their time in Egypt, forced to live like slaves, like brick-making machines, God in Exodus 20 commanded Israel saying, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sabbath keeping is not a suggestion. It's not a nice idea. It's not a bolt on. It is a command. It is a rule for living, particularly in this modern world. And throughout the gospels, we see that Sabbath keeping was a rhythm and a ritual that Jesus adopted every single week. He worshiped on the Sabbath, but he also really interestingly healed on the Sabbath. And he did that to show us that Sabbath is to be a restorative day, a healing day, a day whenever the good order of the kingdom is to take hold of our busy and frantic lives. I firmly believe that Sabbath is one of God's greatest gifts. And it is essential for us to practice if we are to live a joyful, sustainable life that is centered on Jesus and his kingdom. 
And by the way, Sabbath is not a day for just kicking back and doing nothing. It's a day to choose to do certain things, certain things that will lead us to practice Psalm 23, resting in green pastures, being led beside still waters and experiencing the refreshment of our souls. Sabbath is a day in our week that is set apart from the rest. It should look, it should look different from the rest of our days. It should be more life-giving. It should feel richer. It is to be this weekly and repetitive ritual where on one day out of our seven days, we do not work. We don't work. It is a day where we are able to enjoy the holiness of rest. It's a day whenever we can be unproductive and feel really, really happy about it. It's a day whenever we center our lives on Jesus and truly rest in him. Now, I believe that the Sabbath is to be defined by three things, rest, worship, and delight. In our Sabbaths, we are to choose to do certain things that lead us towards rest, towards worship, and towards delight. And by delight, I mean basically things that give us joy. In John 15, Jesus teaches his disciples how we are to live his way of life by saying that he, Jesus, is the vine and we are the branches. And he says this, remain or abide or rest in me as I also remain in you. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Sabbath. It is so much more than a day off. Sabbath is a day for abiding, for resting in our relationship with Jesus. Because as we slow down and as we enjoy this intimate union with Jesus, as Tom Wright would say, it is only whenever we slow down that our lives catch up to God. Sabbath is to be defined by our abiding not by our accomplishments. Sabbath enables us to see that our identity is found not in our achievements, but our belovedness. Sabbath keeping is probably the best indicator that we are a people who get grace because we get to rest in the truth that while we are accomplishing nothing, God still loves us. Sabbath is an act of surrender it's a day of trust where we hand our lives over to God. We say, okay, I'm going to stop doing work right now, Lord, and I trust that you are the boss of my life. It's a day where we recognize that we are limited, and actually we see that that is a gift and not a burden. It's a day for joy. It's a day for laughter. It's a day for tacos. It's a day of good company, for nature, for prayer, for brunch, for slowing right the way down and enjoying the greatest spiritual discipline of them all taking a nap. It allows us to slow down and allows our souls to catch up with our bodies. Sabbath is also an act of resistance, by the way, as we say no to our frantic modern way of living. On the Sabbath, we say no to accumulating more stuff and learning to live with what we have got and being grateful. Sabbath is an act of scheduled social justice as we break the cycle of making other people work for our wants and needs, particularly as we make people work in unjust and horrible, horrible situations. Whenever our faith so often goes through ups and downs, the rhythm of Sabbath, it adds like a fixed trellis. It adds like a framework that allows us to live with stability. It's a fixed rhythm and also 
Sabbath should feel like homecoming. A.J. Sawuba, great name, says this, a Sabbath day on earth is heaven's pre-season. Heaven is an eternal Sabbath. Through our Sabbath day, we get to practice eternity now. It sparks our imagination of the future. And if I could speak to us charismatics, us vineyard people, if we want to be inspired and formed by a vision of the future kingdom, we must be a people who Sabbath, because it is only in that way that we get to live into the future reality, rest in it so that we can be empowered to lead other people to come and experience it in the now. Therefore, Sabbath is not selfish. Going back to John 15, it is only by resting in Jesus that people will get to experience him that we will be able to bear much fruit. The Sabbath baptizes our days, the rest of our weeks, into the ways of Jesus. Making this one day different in our week will make all of the days different. What would it look like? What would it look like for us, the church, to be the most countercultural people, the most well-rested people on the planet? I bet my, I'm not a betting man, but I put my house on this. There'd be so much more people who'd be interested in Jesus. There'd be so many more people who'd be interested in living his way of life. As Jesus said himself, Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You need the Sabbath. You need to. We're all worn out. And Sabbath in Hebrew is the word Shabbat, which is really fun to say. Shabbat, which means stop. Just stop. We need to stop this unsustainable way of living. We need to slow right down. The question is, how do you keep the Sabbath? If you've never practice Sabbath intentionally before. Let me give you just a really quick couple of pointers. Remember, Sabbath is a day for rest, for worship, and for delight. And so as you consider what it would look like for you to be able to engage in the Sabbath, for your family to practice Sabbath, here's a really fun exercise you can do. Just grab a piece of paper, grab your family around the dinner table, and create three columns. Along the top, put rest, worship, and put delight. And then list all of the activities that help you to rest, to worship, and also the things that bring you an awful lot of joy. Just list them, right? Just list them all down. List activities that are affordable, that are accessible, and also attainable, i.e. you can't go off to the Maldives every week for your Sabbath, right? Now, I would really encourage you to take some time and just to list with your family all of the things and weave in your kids' suggestions as well as you build this rhythm into your family. And in speaking to many of you, you have begun to practice Sabbath over lockdowns. And it's been a great opportunity to build in some new Sabbath rhythms. So weave those things in. There's some examples that might appear on the screen of just the kinds of things that you're able to engage in as you practice this way of life. And think through some of the things that you need to be really aware of. Some of the things that you need to put in place to stop you from working, for instance, or maybe avoiding cheaper forms of rest, like scrolling endlessly through Instagram or checking on Netflix. And once you've come up with your list, have a go. Next weekend, schedule some of these activities into place. Schedule them in with your family, and not just for one week, but every week. Make this a ritual. Set some marker moments in your Sabbath day to allow you to do it. For many of us, 
our Sabbath falls on this day, on Sunday. There's already a worship component to Sundays. We're off work already. But we've created a Sabbath practice guide for you, for you to be able to look at this in much more detail. There's a short article, a couple of videos, including an interview with my friends Rob and Charlotte Lewis. And you can head to laggingvalleyvineyard.com forward slash Sabbath to be able to find out more. If you do want any help with this, by the way, and I mean this sincerely, please email me. It would be my joy to be able to help you. My email is stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at laggingvalleyvineyard.com. I talk about Sabbath a lot simply because I know just how much I need it. Emma and I have had to do an awful lot of work on this in the past couple of years. We work hard, we have full, hectic lives, but we've been able to arrange our weeks in such a way that we take off both Fridays and Saturdays, so we allow one day for kind of like life stuff and then a day that's much more set aside for rest and worship and for delight. And we've learned that rest requires practice. Sabbath doesn't come naturally. We can slip out of rhythm so easily, but we have experienced the value of this practice in slow and in simple ways. It has led us towards Jesus, it has led us towards each other, and it has also flooded our lives with joy. Whenever we get busy, life with God becomes the first thing to go. But whenever we Sabbath, life with God becomes the first thing. And through a Sabbath rhythm, God is no longer pushed out but he's brought back into the heart of things. And that, friends, is why I want to invite all of us to practice Sabbath. It will sustain your life. You don't need this, but you have permission to be able to do this. It's actually divinely ordained that you take one day out of seven to rest, to worship, and to delight. James, Emily, do you want to come on up? This has always been a central practice for the church, but right now, this is an essential practice. It is critical. And why? Because many of us, most of us, I think all of us are really, really tired. So let's never return back to the way things were. This gift of a Psalm 23 kind of day bedded into the structure of our weeks it is there for the taking. We will meet Jesus in our Sabbaths. He will recover our lives there. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He will lead us beside still waters, allow us to rest in green pastures, and he will refresh our souls. Can I invite you, if you're able, to stand with me? To the tired ones, to the worn out ones, Jesus said, come to me. Don't go to anybody else. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all of you who are pulled in so many directions. You who are knackered from the front lines. You who are disrupted from homeschooling. You who are struggling to sleep because your minds just keep spinning. Come to me, all of you who don't know how to stop. Come to me all of you who have got too busy for me. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Can I invite you to close your eyes for a moment? And just in the stillness of this moment, if you need 
rest, true rest, soul rest, the kind of rest that only Jesus can offer. Can I invite you just to put your hand, place your hands out in front of you just as a sign of wanting to receive from the Lord? And in the quiet, just take a few breaths. Slow the pace down. Come, gentle and humble Jesus. This all comes down to trust. Trusting that God is a good shepherd. Trusting that he knows how to lead us. Trusting that what Jesus said is true from the cross. It is finished. God's love for us can really change the way that we live. But the way that we live can never change God's love for us. So may we stop, slow down, and rest. Let me pray for you before we worship. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would rewire us, that you would reform us and reshape us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would slow us right down, that we would rest in your embrace right now. And as we come towards you, tired, exhausted, a bit battered, a bit bruised, Lord Jesus, I pray that you attend our wounds. I pray that you would replenish us where we are tired. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us right up. Can I invite you, if you want to, just to confess aloud, to acknowledge to God that actually you've been putting way too much pressure on yourself and you want to be able to recognize that he is Lord, the boss of your life, that you can place your trust in him. I just want to invite you just to simply whisper if you're in the venue behind a mask, just whisper the words, I trust you. I trust you with my life and I rest in you. Just say those words. I trust you. I trust you with my life. And I rest with you. And as we just take a moment just to sing this psalm together, can I invite you just to create some space to allow the Spirit to minister to you. Don't feel as if you need to rush from this moment. Just allow the Spirit to minister to your tired and weary souls as he rewires you as he recovers your life and as he leads you in the rhythms of grace. Let's worship together. I couldn't be more serious. We need the Sabbath. And so today, for most of you, today will be your Sabbath day. So get a head start of next weekend. Spend time by yourself with your family. Get a piece of paper, rest, worship the light along the top. List them, schedule them into next weekend. And even today, you don't need to do anything. Do things today that bring you rest, that lead you into worship, and help you delight and find joy. So if you need any more help, laganvalleyvineyard.com forward slash Sabbath has all the stuff that you need. And if we can help in any way, please do let us know. Coffee and Connect.